Flowing Water Fragrant Mountains is a podcast series chronicling the hiking expedition which Jim Zumberg undertook in the summer of 2019. It is a collaboration between Jim and his son Thomas. That's me. Episode 3, The Pitter-Patter of Precipitation. The satellite communicator that I carried on my John Muir trail trek had the ability to retrieve up-to-date weather forecasts. I was in the habit of doing this regularly during the day to get an idea of what I might expect in terms of temperature, precipitation, and wind. On Sunday morning at Purple Lake, the second day out now from a comfortable night in Mammoth, I looked at the forecast for late Sunday and early Monday. It looked good, above freezing and either clear or partly cloudy skies. But what concerned me were possible high winds. As I finished breaking camp, and just before I started for the day, I texted John. About to get going, looks like serious winds on Monday want to get very close to Vermilion. I had an upcoming reservation for two nights, Monday and Tuesday, at Vermilion Valley Resort, about 20 miles away. My concern about the winds had to do with not knowing how much my tent could withstand. The last thing I wanted was to have it blown over in the middle of the night. I had chosen a very lightweight three-season tent for the JMT because it was a full three pounds lighter than my more rugged four-season tent. The common way to get to VVR for southbound hikers is to exit the JMT near Lake Thomas Edison and walk about a mile or so to a dock near the northeast end of the lake. Twice a day in season, at 9.45 in the morning and again at 4.45 in the afternoon, a boat will transport you several miles to VVR at the opposite end of the lake. My original plan had been to divide the hike from Purple Lake to VVR equally between Sunday and Monday and take the late afternoon boat on Monday. But I was now considering going a little further today, Sunday, and then starting early enough on Monday to arrive at the dock in time for the morning boat. As I began the day with an ascent toward Virginia Lake, I noticed a dusting of new snow in the surrounding mountains. I arrived at the Goodale Pass Junction just before two in the afternoon and decided on the spot that I'd stay on the JMT instead of taking a more direct path over that pass and down into VVR. This had been suggested to me a couple of nights ago when I checked out of my condo in Mammoth. I was up and over the JMT's Silver Pass, then steadily downward now. At around 4 p.m., I found a good spot. After setting up camp, I texted John with, taking a little extra time with tent because of possible winds, and my wife Cindy with, hoping for not too windy night. Turns out the wind wasn't going to be my problem. Not that night, anyway. I 
had managed on Sunday to travel over 12 miles, and now had only about seven to get to the boat dock. It was all downhill, and I figured it would be easy enough to arrive there in time for the 9.45 morning boat to VVR. On Monday, I got up earlier than usual and was moving before 7.30. At about 9, I came to the junction with the trail that would take me to the dock. Still plenty of time. Except that this spur trail wasn't really in very good shape. Nothing like what I'd been experiencing so far on the well-traveled JMT itself. There were lots of downed trees that hadn't been cleared, and the easiest ways around them weren't obvious, and sometimes my first choice was the wrong one. There was a lot of water and long sections of muddy trail. Two miles per hour in this environment was optimistic, and that was about what I would need to get to the dock in time. I started thinking, I'm not going to make it. I was frequently checking my GPS location on the map, as if that would help me get there any faster. I had to remind myself, don't mess up here by trying to go faster than is safe. If you miss the boat, you can either wait seven hours for the afternoon one, or, more likely, continue to walk another four miles on the trail around the lake and forget about the boat. I was cutting it close between safety and speed. That forced me to become very focused. Soon, I noticed in the distance persons on the trail coming in my direction. Of course, those were people who were just off the boat, having been on this outbound ride from VVR. Hoping that the boat hadn't started its return trip yet, I kept moving quickly and even started jogging with my heavy pack still trying to be conscious of safety. It was obvious to the arriving passengers that I was in a hurry. One of them said, You're too late. The boat has left. My heart sank. I'm not sure why, but I kept moving quickly and soon saw the boat. It didn't seem to be moving. It was full of people. As I got closer, I waved my trekking poles, shouted, and continued running. I was lucky on two counts. First, the guy who operates the boat turns out to be pretty good about not leaving before scheduled. Second, I actually arrived on time, a couple of minutes ahead of time, in fact. I was the last one to board. Everyone else had been seated for a while, evidently. Within minutes, we were on our way. After arrival and docking of the boat, many of the passengers headed directly to VVR's restaurant, which was still serving breakfast. I wanted to get into my room, though, so right after checking in, I found my unit and collapsed on the bed. I worked up the energy to take a shower and then put on the cleanest shirt I had. This reminded me that I needed to do laundry. Next, I went to the front desk to retrieve the resupply package that I had mailed here a few weeks earlier from home. I was led to a large shed-like structure, inside of which were many dozens of priority mailboxes, 
VVR does a good job on its webpage of telling prospective visitors exactly how to get their resupply here. Back in my room now, I opened my box and took a look at what I would be eating for the next backpacking segment. No surprises, pretty much more of the same. My calories consisted of a lot of Snickers, Paydays, Pringles, peanut M&Ms, energy bars, flour tortillas, peanut butter, and other healthy fare. For dinner, I typically had a freeze-dried, cook-in-the-pouch, lightweight backpacker meal. Presently, it was lunchtime. The late breakfast crowd had emptied out from the restaurant. I was pretty much by myself, but really enjoyed the cheeseburger, fries, and beer that I ordered. After lunch, I texted John with, No cell or Wi-Fi at BVR. I'm here for two nights. Plan to resume hiking on Wednesday. He asked, Did that wind hit yet? To which I replied, Wind not too bad. Need to psych up for the upcoming 100 miles to Onion Valley. Glad to meet up with friends halfway. I was referring to a scheduled rendezvous with a group of three who had offered to bring in my next resupply, four days and 50 miles away. VVR isn't a town, really, but it has the basics. Rooms for rent, the restaurant, an adjacent small store, a campsite, laundry facilities. From a backpacker's point of view, it had a lot. But not everything. As I told John, if you wanted TV or Wi-Fi or cell connectivity, you were pretty much out of luck. I did hear something about being able to get phone reception at a certain point near the lake. I checked it out without success. A sign by VVR's Public Electrical Outlets reads, Does a true wilderness experience include, quote, being connected, unquote, dot, 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 to ponder, dot, dot, dot. There was electricity, so all visitors at VVR, in the cabins or camping, could recharge their smartphones and other electronics. For me, that meant my phone, satellite communicator, and ultraviolet lamp-based water purifier. I met Sally and Vera, sisters, and Vera's husband, Don. The trio were doing the JMT northbound, with an exit plant a few days ahead in Red's Meadow, where I had been earlier. I asked them about what I might expect heading south. Climbs, descents, water. Likewise, they were interested in what I could tell them about Reds, especially as far as access between Reds and Mammoth, where they were expecting a friend to pick them up. The next day, Tuesday, was my first zero day since I began the backpack almost a week earlier in Tuolumne Meadows. I enjoyed breakfast and dinner at the restaurant, did laundry, and made sure all of my electronics were fully charged. I bought extra bandages from the store, since I had various minor but painful wounds that I wanted to protect. On the trail, 
I hadn't been consuming peanut butter or flour tortillas at the rate I expected, so I left some of those at the hiker box that VVR maintains, hoping that other hikers might find them to their liking. On Wednesday, I got up in plenty of time to be ready for the 9 o'clock boat that would take me back toward the JMT. I was about to begin my longest segment in the backcountry, 100 miles. I texted John, should be moving around 10 a.m. after 9 a.m. ferry docks at other end of lake. Expect to get up and over Bear Ridge and then some progress towards Selden Pass. Later that afternoon, after a long 10-mile stretch upward, John asked, Have you been happy with the distances on your itinerary so far? My reply, later in the day after I set up camp, was, Good enough. Could use improvement. I checked the weather forecast for Thursday. Although temperatures and winds were all good, there was a chance of light snow on Thursday morning. Sure enough, a little before sunrise on Thursday, I heard the pitter-patter of precipitation on my tent. It gave me an excuse to stay cozy a little while longer, before arising, breaking camp, and then crusting Selden Pass and heading down to a low point before the next major pass. At the end of the day, I told John, I found a good spot after crossing the footbridge at mile 109.6. I achieved my more than 13-mile goal for today and am now past the halfway point. It was satisfying to have completed the first half of the John Muir Trail. It was equally daunting to realize that the second half was still in front of me. Regarding my planned meet-up with friends, John asked, Did you and Patty set a specific time for Lacante? Lacante was the backcountry ranger station where we plan to connect on Saturday. I replied, I would like to arrive there by 4 p.m. On Friday morning, I began the long ascent, 4,000 vertical feet toward Muir Pass, and told John, about to head up toward Evolution Lake. 